This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. The title of today's message is, The More You Love. I was looking through uh, different history channels and listening to stuff, and I came across Stuff from 9-11, of course, in New York City when the uh, planes flew into the buildings. And there's a great tragedy, of course, across America still. When that event happened, I was watching some of the footage of people that were being interviewed. And, of course, we know the buildings came down. But at the time, they didn't know they were coming down. And and a firefighter was interviewed. And uh, that firefighter had observed on the ground that people were jumping out of the buildings. And somehow it was worse in the building to stay there than it was to jump, which of course was to their immediate death. And he asked the question, what is so bad up there that it's better for people to jump? And it quickened me as I thought about people today. Stupid decisions that we make as people. What we do with our bodies and how we pay the price for it later on. And in our relationships, we cross lines and we make decisions that are painful for the long haul. Or why does a person look at pornography, get hooked on it, because it feels good in the moment, but how many know that decision is disastrous later on? And somehow people are jumping from things in their life. And I'm convinced that so much dysfunctional behavior is the result of a delusion that the action we're going to take is better. And the feeling is that if my life is horrible, I might as well just do this. But it leads from one disastrous step to another. And I believe that God has given us the ability to put the fire out and to not take that next disastrous step. Instead of jumping from the building, why not take the stairs? Now, of course, that's where the illustration falls apart. There were no stairs for those people. But for you and I, we have an option when we're in our story. We can take the right step. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul talks about this, and he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The answer to a bottled heart is to talk to God. If you have a bottled up heart and you don't know what's going on, sometimes you wanna make stupid choices because you're just bothered. But the answer isn't by going out on Facebook, hello. It's not by throwing out a Snapchat. It's not by getting on TikTok, hello. What do you do with what's inside your heart? Talk to God. If you take it to God, you'll discover, according to this verse, Something will happen in your heart. And the type of prayer we're talking about is not formal, ritualistic, liturgical prayer that doesn't have a connection to the other person on the other side of the conversation. Prayer is a personal conversation with God. It is the connection between you and your creator. And if you talk to him and empty your heart, then you will receive God's peace. God's peace will guard your heart and your mind. The realm with which love plays out is in your heart and in your head. If you want peace in those areas regarding your love relationships, how you feel about the people that are around you, then you've got to talk to God about it. You can't just Google something. Hello. 
Or just talk to other people about it. Or other people that are also having a difficult time. But you can talk to God about it. Imagine praying and hearing this. Thank you for calling my father's house. Please select one of the following options. Press one for request. Press two for thanksgiving. Press three for complaints. Press four for all other inquiries. What if God used the familiar excuse, all the angels are helping other customers right now, please stay on the line. Your call will be answered in the order it was received. If you'd like to speak to Gabriel, press one. For Michael, press two. For a directory of other angels, press three. If you would like to hear King David sing a psalm while you're on hold, press four. To find out if a loved one has been assigned to heaven, enter his or her social security number, then press five. For reservations at my father's house, please press the letters J-O-H-N-316. For answers to nagging questions about dinosaurs, the age of the earth, where Noah's Ark is, then please wait until you arrive here. Our computers show that you've already called once today. Please hang up and try again tomorrow. This office is closed for the weekend. Please call again on Monday after 9 a.m. How many are thankful that's not the response we receive when we talk to the Lord? Isaiah 58 says, when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. The problem that we have is too many of our prayers are situational. We only talk to him periodically. And then when it's time, we don't really have a relational connection with him, so we're not sure if he hears us or not. So we're so sporadic with our conversations, we go to everybody else for stuff, but we don't go to the one that can help us. And it's so important that we learn to talk to him, not just somebody you knew back in fourth grade that you don't have not spent any time with anymore or some random person in your life. What if you talk to God regularly and you talk to him and you communicated about everything that was going on inside of you? I think sometimes we have other things in the way of our communication. We let other people talk for us. When our kids were younger, Jody and I had four boys in six and a half years. So they were coming. And we, we had one of the most greatest inventions when kids were born that we put in their mouth. How many have ever seen one of these? It's a pacifier. Ah! It's like the greatest invention ever, right? I mean, some of you, we had them all over our house in case one was dropped or lost. We had backups to our backups, like some of you do reading glasses. At one point, each of the kids handled it differently. Our son, Tim, who's now much older, but back in the day, he loved his pacifier. He called it his passy. He wanted to keep that in, and we were trying to get him to talk, and we wanted him to communicate, but he always wanted to keep it in his mouth. It's hard to hear what they're saying when the pacifier is in the mouth. And for him, what would happen is, is that for a while, as long as he kept it in his mouth, he said, and the adults or his older brothers would go, oh, you want this? You want a cup? And we were doing the talking for him. But really what needed to happen is, and we started saying it, Timmy, take the pacifier out. Take it out so you can use your words and we can hear you. (laughs) How many know? Everybody said, Timmy, take the pacifier out. (laughs) Here's my point. When it comes to talking to God, we've got too many things in the way sometimes. We're content with somebody else praying for us. 
You got a praying grandma, a praying loved one. You let them do the pray for you. But you need to start taking the pacifier out and talk for yourself. And to share those concerns with God. Sometimes we want to talk and we've got things inside of us and it's going some other way, sideways. We're throwing it out on social media. How many know that's not helping? We're trying other sources, but that's not helping. Because none of those things give us a peace in our heart and in our mind. The key is talking to God about everything, giving him access to all. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And friends, whoever gets access to the parts of our lives directs our hearts. Whoever we give access becomes the one that directs the direction of our heart. And of course, our love is there. Yesterday afternoon, I had the privilege of my niece coming over, and she's now grown up. She's in her senior year of high school, and, uh, and she's special. Because I had all, all sons, and the girls, all my nieces at different ages are really special to me. Because I'm like, I never had a girl, and so they're like even more special to me. And Marissa came over, my niece, and, and she spent some time at my house yesterday, and, uh, and I had a few hours, so I started asking her questions asking her things about uh, life and what it's like to be a teenager in this day and age, and I'm just asking question after question. At one point, she gave me some great information about what was going on in her head and her heart over the last couple years regarding social media. And she shared with me how, uh, you know, everybody in her grade and everybody around her, they were out on social media, and they were doing uh, Snapchat and, and uh, snapping each other. That just just taking a picture and sending it to somebody and then they need to give a response. And she felt like she always had uh, somebody to respond to because her, her phone was always blowing up and she felt this kind of dread like if she didn't respond, something was wrong with her and maybe she would lose a friendship and somebody would, be, would lose a streak or something like that. And, and so it kind of developed this anxiety in her heart. And then later on, uh, um, she wanted to be a part of a group of creatives that enjoyed different creative pictures on Instagram and, and how uh, she doesn't even like taking interesting pictures of nature and that kind of thing. But she found herself going out for drives just to look for things that she could take a picture of that they would like so that they would, she would be in their group and, uh, and, and, and get their likes, not just uh, on social media, but also in real life. And so real life to her included the, the digital domain. And of course, others, it moves into TikTok and all of those things now. Nowadays, Anyhow, at one point, she told me a story about how she was looking at Instagram and she saw pictures of a party that a lot of people were having fun at. And they were all a bunch of her friends. And then she realized that she wasn't invited to that party. And something inside of her sunk and she felt rejected, overlooked, unwanted. She felt hurt. And something went on inside of her. Over the next few months, it began to stew inside of her. And then she... She had her own party, and she invited everybody, every one of her friends, except for the ones that had left her out. And that kind of dark, downward spiral of her soul, she reached that moment when she was at the party, and afterwards she started reflecting on it. And Marissa said, you know, I sat there, and I'm like, man, I should have had those people here. They would have been a lot of fun. But the anger had grown in her heart because of what she had seen and observed, and she made a decision to get out of social media at that point. She literally cut the strings to it and isn't out there on social media any longer because it had led her heart to another place. Who you give access to your heart will direct 
your heart. It will take you places you didn't even imagine. I think there are many of us that we've been putting our thoughts and our attention, and we don't even realize that our hearts are beginning to follow something else. And I'm not talking just about social media. It could be an intense like or a sport. It could be music. It could be friendship. It could be sexuality. It could be a whole lot of things. And we don't even realize it, but our heart begins to follow the people that we give access to our heart. Friends, whoever gets your heart gets your future. Whoever gets your heart gets your future. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Friends are like elevators. They can what? Take you up or take you down. And if love happens in the realm of the heart, you determine who has your heart by who you spend time with. This is why Jesus tells us to direct our love first to God. He was asked by a member of the religious community what is the most important commandment? And look at, with me at Mark chapter 12. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus answers this way. He's quoting actually from Deuteronomy. He says, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And friends, I want you to know that second part, love your neighbor as yourself, is, is dependent on the first part. So when we're looking at all of the relationships that we have with people and the loving your neighbor, the people that are closest to you, it's dependent on the first part. He says, love the Lord your God first. And friends, there is a curious link between the word love and the word love, Lord. The word love and the word Lord. There's a curious link, and I want you to see it because the word Lord is used 5,000 times in the Bible. It is used as a proper noun for God. It's also a title of honor and respect. It's the expression of reverence. It is having power or authority over something or a realm. It is an owner who has disposal of everything in the property. In ancient times, the Lord would own land and the servants would work the Lord's land. They were the ones that owned it. Here's what I want you to catch today. Our problem today is that we want Jesus to be our Savior, but not our Lord. Okay, he is Savior. He is the Savior. In fact, there's a whole bunch to back that up, and we love to talk about it. He's the protector, Psalm 7-1. I come to you for protection, O Lord my God. He's our shield, Psalm 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. He's our refuge, Psalm 9. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, have never abandoned anyone who searches for you. He's our rock. Psalm 18, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my savior, my God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the strength of my salvation and my stronghold. I will call on the Lord who is worthy of praise for he saves me from my enemies. He's our shepherd. What does Psalm 23 say? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But friends, if that's all we're seeing, we're not seeing who we're supposed to love. For he is also the Lord. He is the one who's in charge, who owns everything. He holds the power. And Satan can't do anything without his permission. Everything is father filtered. And he is watching 
over us right now. Proverbs 15, 3. The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both evil and the good. And I want you to catch something here. Who my Lord is depends on who I give the power to. Who my Lord is depends on who I give the power to. That's all of us. I don't want to know who your Lord is. You might say Jesus is your Lord, but who are you giving the power to in your life? We can give him our eternity, but make other people or things our Lord. And Jesus could be your Savior, but your friends might be your Lord. Only one person is to be your Lord, and his name is Jesus. And the question is, who holds the power in your life? If we were to write the eulogy for your funeral, what would we be reading? He attended church, but he chose his career on his own, and he never consulted God. She knew that sex before marriage was wrong, but her boyfriend had more power in her life than God. He said he loved God, but what he did with his friends, his money, and his time was all up to him. He wanted a savior, but not a Lord. And when God owns something, he wants his servants to do what he wants. He's not a dictator, but he wants us to consult him. This is where praying comes into play. If he's our Lord, we'll seek him with our whole heart. We'll find out what he wants. So that's what reading the Bible is about. When you come to church, it's not just about putting your time in on a Sunday. It's a pursuit of saying, you're my Lord, and I want to serve you, love you with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, all my strength. So what does that look like? Well, i got to ask him. We come to church, and you'll hear me preach from the word. That's part of the truth. As you worship God, you're giving God access, and you're telling him, I want you to see my heart, and I want my life to come behind you. Some of you are taking the next step in your faith journey. Some of you have gone to growth track. This is week number one of growth track. And that's a way to take next steps within the church and get connected to other believers so that together you can serve the Lord with all your life. Others of you have been involved in connect groups or you've been on Team Emmanuel and you're serving in different places. That's a part of saying I'm serving God, I'm worshiping, loving God with all of my heart. That's not limited to church. It also extends into every part of the domains of our life. He's our Lord, and if you aren't running to him, he's not influencing you, and he's probably not Lord in every area of your life. Jesus desires to be Lord of all your life. So how do you know if he's Lord? Let me give you some diagnostic-type questions. First, am I doing what he wants with my body? Am I doing what he wants with my body? Did you know that your body is called the temple of the Holy Spirit? That your body is God's. In this day and age, we love to uh, uh, talk about how my body, this is my body, I get to do what I want to do with my body. So I guess you're your own Lord then. I guess you're, you own it, so you're responsible for it. You know where that becomes a problem? When you want God to heal your body. You want him to be the Lord over your body, but you're your own Lord. And he's sitting there going, do you want me to answer this or not? Because you're your own Lord. Am I doing what he wants with my body? You're like, I don't know what to do with my body. Well, that's why we read the word and we study and we, we 
get discipled by other people. We listen to what God wants us to do. Second question, am I thinking about what he wants me to think? What does God want me to think about? Whatever is pure and lovely and true, those, think on those things, Paul tells, tells us. You know why? Because in the realm of your brain, that's where the battle is. If you battle anxiety, frustrations, and fears, and worries, guess where that takes place? It takes place in your brain. Did you know that God has a wish for how you handle those thoughts? He says, I want you to take captive those thoughts. I want you to arrest those thoughts. I want you to put your thoughts in handcuffs and bring them to me. Don't let them just rage out of control. Don't just look to the world around you for help. Don't just try to medicate it by getting drunk and try to push those thoughts away. Don't just throw yourself into a relationship you shouldn't be in. Don't just do all those things. Why don't you just arrest those thoughts and bring them to me? And if you bring them to me, then I will give you a peace in that realm. Am I thinking what he wants me to think? Third question, are my relationships what he wants them to be? In other words, what does God think about my relationships? What does he think about my marriage? What does he think about the friendships that I have? What does he think about my relationship with my boss? Even uh, acquaintances that I have. Proverbs 29, 25 says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but to trust the Lord means safety. Hmm. Do some people hold more power than God in your life? Does peer pressure control you? Bring it to God. Fourth question, is God Lord of my money and my time? Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything your land produces. I don't like to always talk about things that nobody wants me to talk about. Jesus says where the, your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. There's something about what we do with our money that is like dangerous territory when it comes to love. Whatever we feed, we love more. And I would just say this, a good diagnostic of whether or not Jesus is Lord of your life is what you're doing with your time and your money. Are you trusting God? This is where tithing is not just something that's a good suggestion. It's actually the very thing that becomes an anchor to keep Jesus Lord of your life. Otherwise, other things control you out of control. You kind of run amok. You follow a, a, a train of wild horses taking you wherever it wants to go. But when you bring it up underneath the Lord, he has a way of staying your Lord of everything. 10% of the money, but 100% Lord. How many know everything is blessed up underneath that? The fifth, is God Lord over my work, my family, my school, and my friends? Is he Lord over those things? I want to give you some hope today. Sometimes we can feel like there's a battle going on, a struggle. But God doesn't recognize or diagnose things in our life and leave us hanging. He gives us solutions. And in the New Testament, when Jesus came, he saved us from our sin. He didn't just leave us there and say, hey, I'll see you when you come up to glory. And he left the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our power to overcome all those things that are in a tug, tug of war for our heart. I want you to look with me at Galatians chapter 5. In fact, if you got your Bibles, I want you to open it up right there. Galatians chapter 5. It's a great text. And we're going to see here where the Bible acknowledges our struggle acknowledges the back and forth, but gives us a pathway where we can love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
Galatians chapter five. And in Galatians chapter five, this is what Paul says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. How many have had good intentions before, but it didn't come through? All right. But when you are directed by the Spirit, capital S here, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Now, I want you to see, he's going to give a list here. But each one of those things on this list destroy your relationships, your loves with people around you. It'll hurt your marriage. It'll hurt your parenting. It'll hurt your friendships. It'll hurt all those things that people that you call the love. Verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, by the way, that's not just in the future. That's right now. It's hard to get the benefits of the kingdom of God if you got those things raging in your life. And uh, I would dare say that under the sound of my voice, all of us have dealt with something in there, right? They're hurting us. They're hurting us. They're, they're pushing on us. But I want you to see verse 22. But, everybody said but. Anytime you see but, there's something that buttoned himself in there. Excuse me. You heard all that. It sounds like a downward spiral. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. It's the opposite. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. I love this because, friends, when it comes to what Jesus has done in your story and in my story, we can be convinced that he is with us and he alone can help us with our relationships. And this is where I'm going to land the plane on my message today, and you're going to see with an illustration. But the more you lean in and love God, the less you love the sinful nature. Say that with me. The more you lean in and love God, the less you love the sinful nature. My encouragement today is to turn and soak in the love of God now and keep doing it more and more, and that the love of God will push out the other loves. I have an illustration that uh, I got from a, a brother, Michael Todd, Pastor Michael Todd is a great preacher, and he shared an illustration that I think will work great for us today. You got these ping pong balls in a, in a glass, and this is kind of like our lives, and this is like the stuff, the junk in our lives that we want out, the things we don't like. And uh, these pictures is like water, okay, but it's like loving God. The more we got of God in our lives, 
the more he goes in. And when we get started and we serve Jesus, we're like, we get saved. We're like, I thought all that stuff was going to be gone. How come it's not going anywhere? We're like, well, something starts popping out here a little bit. So we keep serving him. And I would just encourage you, don't give up. Don't stop. Because the more God you get, the more you're going to keep experiencing. God's going to get that junk out of your life, right? But the further we go, there's a point at which in spiritual Christian maturity that we reach some points in our story where we're like, you know what? I've had a lot of change. The, the change is visible. I still got some stuff in my life, but I'm okay. I'm worshiping God. I'm going to church. I'm doing the right things. But then stress hits you. How many of you know stress doesn't go away when you become a Christian? Temptation comes. Stuff comes your way. And it's coming at you hardcore. And at this moment, even though you've been serving Jesus and he set you free, you are tempted now to go to those other loves as your source to heal what you're feeling on the inside. And you're like, man, church isn't doing the same thing it used to do for me. I'm not getting the same kickback. It's not helping me. And you're tempted. You know what? Maybe I will just reach out to those other things. Whatever those things may be, it could be social media. You can find yourself on social media all day long, filled with anxiety. And you're like, God's over there going, hello, you can still talk to me. But we get preoccupied by other things. And I would just say this, when you hit this spot, this isn't time for you to walk away from worship, walk away from the love of God. That's the time to pour it on. You gotta keep going. Keep talking to them. Don't trust those other things. And by the way, there's more where that came from. You'll never reach the end of what God's love is. And he will continue to help you, and he will continue to pour out his blessing in your life. He will, well, look at that. Now, how many know sometimes there's some stuff until Jesus comes back? You're still dealing with, right? Like, why can't I get rid of that thing? Paul said, I have a thorn in my flesh. Now here's the beautiful thing. If the inside, this is on the surface now, even the stuff you're frustrated with, that isn't in your heart. It's on the surface of your life. And you hit this spot. I want you to be encouraged because when the devil still comes at you and he starts to try to get you, it's still on the surface. It can't get in you anymore. Why? Because you're filled with the love of God. You're filled with his love. You ain't going to take the bait anymore. And by the way, you're going to keep asking for more and more and more. And then, let's get that last one out of there. <laughs> Just keep filling it up. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? There's more where that came from. His agape love, his unconditional, uh, relentless love is still available for us at every season of our story. We can't let that stuff go back into our hearts. It destroys everything around us. If you want loving relationships and you're struggling in your marriage, the thing to do is not just to go to other sources all the time for help. I do believe in counseling. Go ahead and go to counseling. But I'm going to tell you this. Even a counselor can't get into your heart. You choose who you let into your heart. And if you don't know how to treat your spouse or treat the person that bugs you or, or repair a relationship, 
You need to go back to the Creator and trust in the Lord with all your heart. You need to love the Lord and say, God, I bow my knee. I surrender to you again. I can't fix this on my own. I need your help and pursue the love of God. And as you do, he keeps pouring out his peace that passes understanding. It fills your heart and your mind. There still are irreconcilable things happening in your life. You don't understand why you're going through what you're going through. You can't maybe get back the spouse that divorced you. You maybe can't fix the family that was broken and your mom and dad are far away. You can't maybe fix the fact that something happened to you in your history and you went through abuse. But what you can do is you can open up to God and you can trust in Him and talk to Him and pray about everything. And as you do, the scripture is very clear. He'll begin to fill you with a peace that bypasses your understanding. And it will come in and it will protect you against whatever the viruses of the day and age. And it will give you a sense of hope for your tomorrow. You have to lean in to his love. The more you love, the more you love him, the less you'll love the world. The less you'll be weighed down by the world. The more you love, the more you're able to love those that you couldn't otherwise. The more you love God, the more he gives you his love. And he wins the battle in your story. Today, I'm going to ask all of our campuses to stand with me. If you get on your feet. I want to challenge you to do something to go a little bit further, maybe, than maybe you've done historically. But can you shut out the day and age that we live in and the battles and the worries and the frustrations? Don't try to fix that problem of how you're going to pay the bills this week. Don't fix the problem of the argument you had last night. Don't try to fix all of those things. Can you put those aside for a second and turn back to the one and only true love of God? You know how much God loved us? He sent his one and only son to come and die for us while we were still sinners. He loved us first. Maybe we should yield to his love for us. Stop trying to figure it all out and turn to the one that loves us. He calls you his sons and his daughters. Your daddy's kids. And he loves you. And if you'll turn to the Father today, you'll discover, you'll be reminded of who you are in him, that he sets you free from those other things. And you're filled with his love. You don't have everything all figured out, but the more you love God, the more you're able to handle everything else. It just bounces off you. It's just surface stuff because you're filled with his love. For the next 20, 30 seconds, Elk River, Maple Grove, Spring Lake Park. I want to challenge you to worship God. We're going to go into a song, and then somewhere along in the middle of the song, in our campuses, our worship leaders and campus pastors are going to take it from there, so there'll be a transition at some point. But I want us to just simply yield to the love of God. Can you do this right now? If you feel comfortable, can you open your heart, your hands? to him and just begin to thank him for the love that only he can give you can you thank him that he hasn't given up on you can you thank him that he's got what you don't to handle the story of your life that he can help you walk through what you can't walk through on your own can you thank him for the peace that passes understanding that guards the hearts and the minds can you thank him that he loves you enough to give you one more day another chance Lord we thank you that we're sons and daughters of the living God and that we can trust you 
Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. To learn more about the many ministry opportunities we have throughout the week, be sure to check out emmanuelcc.org.